Welcome to Eastside Rose, where the conversation is about art, culture, and education. I am your host, Obed Silva. In this episode, we will be hearing from poet, puentista, ELAC student, and all-around awesome young lady, Daphne Macias, who will be reading her two poems that are published in this year's edition of Eastside Rose, and who will also be talking to us about her experience as a first-generation college student. Hello, my name is Daphne Macias. I will be reading Back Straight. Back Straight, chin up. You're a lady, so you have to shut up. Makeup done, eyes down. You're not meant to be here. Oven's on, food's done. Serve everyone and be gone. Eyes tearing, lipstick smeared. It's okay, you were asking for it, dear. Fix yourself, your edges are showing. You're a pretty face, so make sure it shows. No one's going to invest any time in you. Conform to society or your value is worthless. My next poem is Watch Me. You were supposed to support me. All you did was hurt me. You said I wasn't good enough, a stupid, useless, unworthy girl. I tried to be what you wanted me to be, but I was never good enough for you. Everything I did was always wrong. You told me to give up, just to conform. You tried your hardest to bring me down. You cut my wings when I was ready to fly. I didn't know better. I trusted you. I followed you blindly, always looking up to you, but not anymore. I'm done being your punching bag. I learned to open my eyes. I see what you have done to me. Now I have to glue myself together. I see what you are, another obstacle in my way. You told me I was stupid. I know I am intelligent. You told me I was useless. I have found ways to be useful. You told me I was unworthy. I have finally found my worth. I'm a lot more valuable than you think. I was just a diamond in the rough. I learned to do things for myself, never again for you. Watch me grow my wings again. Watch me fly towards the sky. I see a bright future ahead of me. You say I won't make it? I say just watch me. Uh, First off, welcome to the show, Daphne. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Let's get to the first poem, Backstreet. Beautiful poem, strong, uh, important message. Tell us about it. Well, it's about not conforming to to the society's standards. Um, unfortunately, we live in a patriarchal society, and in my house, you serve all the men first, and then women last sit at the table to eat so it's about putting others ahead of you but you have to stand up for yourself yeah um and you know upon reading it, it's almost like a manual for young ladies the way you begin it uh back straight chin up you're a lady so you have to shut up um as if these are things that a young lady is expected to do or a, a way in which she is expected to carry herself. Uh, is, is this something that has happened to you, that, that you experience in your family, in society? Well, yeah, because um, I'm the oldest of four and the only girl. So my mom has always had these expectations of me, of being the perfect daughter, wearing dresses and not playing in the dirt with my brothers. But I was never like that. I was always one of the boys. So it was kind of difficult when she would buy me dresses and expect them to be clean at the end of the day. But 
they never were. So she always told me, you have to act like a girl. You can't do these things. Girls can't do that. So then that reflects upon the poem, I guess. Yeah, it does. Clearly, you know, it's um, as if you have to be a muñeca, a doll, right? Uh, you know, and towards the end of the poem, you say, fix yourself. Your edges are showing. You're a pretty face, so make sure it shows. It reminds me of the song by Beyonce, Pretty Hurts. Have you heard it? <laughs> I have No, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> and if you watch the video, it's about um, uh, beauty pageants and the way young ladies are made up for beauty pageants. But this is what this poem reminded me of, uh, you know, because society does have these things that it asks young ladies to conform to. Is that difficult? Well, I've always been a tomboy, and it is kind of difficult because I don't like wearing makeup. And my mom, she's taught me to do nails, makeup, do her hair, paint her hair. And I'm just like, I don't like doing these things. And she tells me, you're a girl. You're supposed to know these things. Well, you shouldn't have to if you don't like to do them, definitely. <laughs> so, um, wonderful poem. Uh, can we get into the next poem, which has a similar theme to it, a similar message, and the second poem is called Watch Me. Um, and it's pretty painful, too. It seems like it might have even hurt to even write it. Can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> gets me emotional every time. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, I, don't, I didn't grow up with a dad, so my uncle has always been like the father figure in the family. So, um, he's very strict, and he's like, no, you can't do these things. He always stops me from doing a lot of things. Like, for example, in the Puente Club and program, uh, we get these uh, Northern California trips, and I've never been outside of my house for, like, long periods of time because of that shelteredness he's always had on us. And um, I remember the first time I was... I was presented with the opportunity to go to North Cal. And I asked for permission. Even at my age, at 24 years old, I have to ask for permission wherever I need, I want to go. And ahead of time, which is which I think it's ridiculous because my brother is younger than me and he gets to just be like, oh, I'll be back. And they just let him go. But um, I asked him if I could go to the Northern California trip. And he's like, no, for what? Wow. You're never going to go to a school over there, so why waste your time? So that that's always been, like, my struggle with him because he's always been like, no, for what? You don't need to do these things, you know? And it kind of makes me feel like like what my counselor in high school told me, no, sweetheart, you don't need these things. You're just going to become another statistic, you know? You're just going to – you're a Latino woman. You are going to either end up pregnant and get married or you're just going to get a – like a job you're never going to go far in life. Your house, uh, high school counselor told you this? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because I told her. Fire him, wherever he's working at. <laughs> her. Oh, her? Yeah. But it hit me because as a high school student, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be an English teacher. And I told her, can instead of all these like electives that I'm never going to use, can I get another English class? Mm -hmm. And then she was like, why? And I was like, I want to become an English teacher. And then she was like, no, sweetheart, you don't need that. She's like, you're a Latina woman and you're, my, you're a minority. So um, you're just going to end up another statistic. 
you're probably not even going to graduate. You're going to have kids and you're going to get married and that's the end of your life. And I was like, um, thank you. (laughs) She got all of that terribly wrong. Um, At least she called you sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice of her. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're proving her wrong. You're proving everybody who treated you in that way wrong. Um, And you know, what you just said, that story you just said, it uh, jumps off the page here in the second stanza where you begin, you told me to give up, to just conform. You tried your hardest to bring me down. You cut my wings when I was ready to fly. I didn't know better. I trusted you. I followed you blindly, always looking up to you, right? From your family member um, who's trying to keep you down to your counselor. Uh, these are people who are supposed to encourage you and and to push you to to get an education and to better yourself intellectually and to grow. And these are people that did the opposite. And that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, Daphne, the way you do end your poem is um, your second to the last stanza. And the last stanza go like this. Watch me grow my wings again. Watch me fly towards the sky. I see a bright future ahead of me. You say I won't make it, I say, just watch me. Yeah, and um, I guess that goes back to my mom. She's always, no, do your, don't listen to him. She's like, if you, you, you do what you got to do, I, I support you fully. Just, like, make sure you're doing this for you. Like, when I got accepted to the university, she, I, I was very happy over the moon, and I told her, I was like, Mom, look, I got accepted to these schools, and... I'm so happy. And then she's like, I'm proud of you. You've gone, you've made it this far. I'm the only one who's made it this far with no kids, without getting married or anything in my whole family. You said you got accepted to not one university. You said universities. Um, What universities did you get accepted to? I got accepted to UC Santa Cruz and UC Riverside. And have you made a choice? (sighs) No, it's kind of hard. I, I mean, I'm leaning towards Santa Cruz because that's my number one school. But I've, I've been having difficulties with my mom on, like, I guess, choosing one. Um, my mom doesn't want me to go far. She's like, no, go to, go to Riverside. It's closer to home, and I'll buy you a car, and you can commute. And I told her, Mom, you're crazy. I'm not going to commute to Riverside. It's it's hectic. And then when finals come around, I'm not even going to sleep. And I told her, I think it's time for me to leave the house. And I want to go to Santa Cruz. I'm like, it's two years. Two years fly by quickly. I'm not going to be gone forever. But I guess it's that whole thing of being the first one to leave the house. And she's. I think she's kind of scared of me leaving and never coming back. Because when she when her decision came to like go to school or get married in order to leave her house, since she didn't have the I guess the the backup of my grandma, she chose to get married, which was a lot more easier. And she left the house and she never went back. So she thinks that if I go to school, I'm never gonna come back. And I think that's her her fear more than mine. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. There's something to say about uh, how your, your mother's fear, uh, and I say this from experience because my little brother left to UC Santa Barbara two years ago, and you're right about the time flying because he's about to graduate in June. 
But my mom had the same fear uh, that he would leave and not come back. And it's somehow turning into a reality because now that he's about to graduate, he's talking about finding a job over there. And so there's something to say about that fear. But nonetheless, you're the individual. You're, it's your life. You're the grown-up. It's your future more than anything. So I hope you, you go to UC Santa, uh, <laughs> Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. Now, let's talk about your experience at East Los Angeles College and being a first-generation student, uh, being a Puente student here, and also a DACA student. Tell us about that. Well, it was kind of hard because after high school, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. No one told me anything about college, university. I knew I had to go to college and I had to go to university, but no one told me how to get there. So um, it came to a time in high school when um, my, my teacher, he was like, where are you going? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, after high school, after you graduate, where are you going? And I told him, I don't know. And he was like, oh, have you gone to the to the career um, and college office here at, at Sure? And I was like, uh, we have an office? <laughs> I didn't know these. I didn't know these things. And he was like, yeah, he's like, come on, during nutrition, we'll meet up there and I'll show you around. I'll even introduce you to the to the counselor there. So we went over and it it was like May and the the counselor there, she was like, you should have come a lot earlier. We could have applied to universities and you could have gone to a university. And I told her, I don't I didn't know this office was here. I didn't know these things. And then she was like, well, we have a, a field trip to East Los Angeles College, and it's close to here. It's in Monterey Park, and if you want, you could sign up, and we'll go. So I was like, okay. So we we went, and uh, we took a tour around ELAC, and I thought it was a really great campus. I, I've only seen it from, like, from the street, passing by, going to school, and we took the placement test, and I guess that's where I, I signed up, and I later received an email, and they're like, oh, welcome to ELAG. Here's your registration date, and here are the classes you can take. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm already in. <laughs> like, I didn't so even know. So you weren't know. even aware that you were registered. No. And I was like, okay. So then, based off the 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 placement test here, I, I started taking classes, but I didn't know what classes I was taking, so I was just taking math and English because of the placement, placement test. And um, a, a friend from high school, from I guess from freshman year, we've been friends to now. Right now, she's graduating from Riverside this year. Um, she was like, hey, Dav, come over to this meeting that I have for my club. She's like, I want you to come. And I was at home, and I told her, what do you mean, come? Today's my day off. I don't have class today. And she's like, no, I need you to come because I need you to, to be here. And I was like, no. She was like, either you come or I go get you. So I was like, okay. So I came, and I guess that's the beginning of everything. Um, I came to the meeting. It was Puente. And she introduced me to everyone. Everyone was so, like, smiling, so welcoming, so welcoming to, like, everyone. And they even hugged me. And I was like, okay, personal space, you know. And um, I met Centeno there. And then he was like. And uh, just for the audience, Centeno is Professor Centeno. He's the 
uh, English professor for the Puente program here yeah. at ELEC. Yeah, and he was like, oh, so I'm so happy to meet you. He's like, what English are you taking? And I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in English 28 right now. He's like, oh, too, that's too bad. You can't, you can't be in the first phase. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, we have, a, this, this is not only a club, it's a program too. And it helps you with, the, with your English. And he asked me what, what English I was taking. And I told him, oh, I'm in English 28. And then he's like, okay, just give me your contact info and I'll sign you up for my 101. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to look for classes. I don't have to stand like and do a wait list or a, or a sorting of any kind. So I was happy with it. And from there, I joined the, the club. I volunteered. I did all these things. I met a lot of people and they were all like, welcoming and supportive throughout everything. I guess that's what started it all. And again, for the audience, I just want to say, for those that don't know, uh, the Puente program is a transfer program that helps students transfer to four-year universities. And it's a very successful program with a success rate or a transfer rate of 80% uh, of, of students who end up going to universities. Um, so the Puente program was very helpful in guiding you through your academic career here at ELEC. Yeah, they're basically, I guess you can say, my parents or my old, older siblings that have helped me and be like, no, take these classes. And then from there, I I found out that we had our own personal, I guess you can say personal, uh, counselor where I didn't, you don't have to go to random counselors every time you go to the counseling office. Um, can you tell us about... Being a DACA student, Daphne, I know this is probably a, a, um, a difficult topic to discuss, but I think there's a lot of students out there who are in your same position and who would probably benefit from somebody like you who's moving on and uh, advancing as an intellectual as a, 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 in academia. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, it's been kind of difficult because growing up, I knew that I guess I didn't have the same opportunities as a person that was born here. Like my two younger brothers, they're born here, so they're U.S. citizens and they they have it all set. So I guess um, I'd I'd have I have had to work harder to learn a new a new language because um, I was brought to the U.S. at the age of six. So learning a new language was for me it was kind of hard because I was a bit older. My brother taught me how to speak English. And so from there, um, I knew that I didn't have the same opportunities as everybody else. And when I was in high school, um, they were talking about deportations and all these things. And I was like, mom, we're going to get deported. And then she was like, no, we're not going to get deported. We haven't done anything bad. And I was like, but we're not from here. And she was like, that's okay, they're never going to catch us. So then um, I guess the opportunity came up to be, in a, in a way, legalized. So my mom and I jumped at the chance, and we got we signed up for the DACA. And it came, I guess, with, like, um, opportunities, not the same as a person born here, but great opportunities. We got a Social Security. We got our driver's license. And, um, but unfortunately, for academic-wise, um, financial aid helps students a lot. 
but um the dream act which is kind of like the financial aid and it's part it's not part of daca personally but it's a branch of it to help students it doesn't have the same funding as financial aid so students under daca don't get the same amount of money or the same amount of help so because i'm a daca student i can't do work study because um it's linked to the financial aid so financially my mom has helped had to help me out with like my books i do get the fee waiver which is um the government paying for classes but um it's a lot harder on my mom because books are expensive mm-hmm. and um she's never wanted me to work so she was like no because if you work you're gonna like the the fast income of money and you're gonna quit school like my brother so then um she doesn't want me to work she wants me to continue full-time as a student but it's kind of difficult because like i said books are expensive they are and so um daca even though i'm i apply to like financial aid daca the dream act i don't get money i don't get money so um it's kind of hard yeah <laughs> i'm sorry Dev. um and you know i just want to add something you told me um before this interview uh tonight we're having here at elac our transfer ceremony to congratulate all the transfer students and you told me that your mom will not be able to be here because she has to work yeah right <laughs> um and i just wanted to include that because that's a testament to how much your mother uh wants you to succeed and to move on as a as a student um, so much so that she sacrifices being here tonight to work so that she can continue to buy you those books and help you. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, um, very important for other students to hear your story because you're such a strong person and you are moving forward with light speed. Um, for those DACA students that are listening, what would you say to them? If they find if if currently they're finding themselves in a position where they feel hopeless or they want to not continue with their education because maybe they see that there's no light at the end of of the tunnel. The more educated you are, the farther in life you'll get. So, um, school has always been important in my family, and I would suggest not to give up. I mean, it is a struggle; it is hard, but at the end, it's totally worth it. I'd like to believe it's worth it because I'm heading there and I I do see it's becoming lighter and I mean politics can change at any time like right now um DACA as far as I know it's no longer exists because Trump took it out but um I hope that like in the future things will change and um I mean the future is not set in stone so anything can be possible if you believe it I know it sounds cheesy but I think it does apply, and you just got to work hard for it. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> Great message for, for all the young people out there. Um, future goals, Daphne, what do you plan for yourself? Where do you see yourself after graduating uh, from whatever uni- university you choose to, to attend? Well, the goal is to achieve my bachelor's pretty soon in two years. Um, then I want to work on my master's, and in the future, I want the PhD. I want to be called Dr. Daphne. <laughs> Dr. Daphne, that's fantastic. 
I, I have a feeling that um, in a few years, I, I, we certainly will be calling you Dr. Daphne. <laughs> uh, because like the title of your second poem, Watch Me, I believe um, we are going to watch you succeed and become a doctor. With that, Daphne, I would like to thank you for being on our show today. And um, we wish you great luck. Thank you. This episode of the Eastside Rose podcast was recorded on the campus of East Los Angeles College. It was produced by Gregory Mena and hosted by yours truly, Obed Silva, Man of La Mancha. <laughs>